Hello folks, welcome to the Raw Hospitality Show Season 2. We've had a little break, but while we're having that break, we're interviewing some extraordinary people. We've got about six uh, interviews in the barrel right now. Some really fascinating subject matters, people in the industry that have pivoted, gone through the COVID uh, struggles, which are kind of still here when this uh, comes out. They're starting to fade a little bit in the US, but we had some great conversations with some awesome human beings. I can't wait to share the episodes with you. This is season two, In the Barrel, Ready to Rumble. Ming's Bings. What does Ming's Bings mean? Well, you're going to find out in the next show, celebrity chef Ming Tsai. He's not only an award winner on television, he's an award winner in his restaurants. He's a good human being. We talk about his food production his life struggles, his gains, the most beautiful moments that he's had. And also we talk about his new venture. He's one of the most well-known and well-regarded and well-respected chefs in the country. Beat Bobby Flay. Can you believe that? We're going to rumble him a little bit. Next show, Ming Sai, season two, the Royal Hospitality Show. I cannot wait to introduce you. Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening. What time is it there? Ming Tsai, a great friend of the show. Where are you? We are. Uh, it's 9.05 a.m. in Big Sky, Montana. And you've so got a beautiful I, uh, view. Yes, the- we do have beautiful views. One of the reasons Montana is where we're at is because of the mountains and the beautiful view. Uh, you may not know this. We haven't spoken in a while, Robert. I've, so I opened a restaurant out here uh, in Big Sky called Baba. Yes. Um, and you'd appreciate the history. So Baba is 88, right? The main mm-hmm. dining room is an eight-sided dining room. And right. as you know, in feng shui principles, you use a bagua, which is that mm-hmm. eight-sided tool to steady energy. That, that's how 88 is written, right? Baba. But, so right. That's, that's eight and eight. So that's the eight-sided to, for the dining room. Baba wow. also means um, father. So a lot of families, tapas-style, family-style dining like Blue Dragon. Sure. And where I'm at, um, Bob is located at a place called Yellowstone Club, which actually has two mountain peaks. There's Pioneer wow. and, the, and, yep. and there's Lone Peak. So hence the two mountain peaks, that's Baba, the name of the restaurant. Wow. And well, uh, I've been following it. I've been following it. Tell the guests how long it's been open. You opened it last year? We opened it December before COVID. So it was open wow. from December to March. And then March, of course, this country or most all countries closed down. Wow. And um that was just one of the craziest experiences, right? For all of us, no one, none of us, I don't think have been through a world pandemic like this. And, no. and us restaurateurs, chefs had never had our restaurant closed overnight, right? Sometimes no. there's a flood a week, you're back or whatever, sure, sure, sure. fire, but not closed. And that the worst part is indefinitely. If you tell me or any good chef operator, you're done for three months. We'll read, yep. we'll jig it, boom, we reopen, we're fine. But when it's three suck, 18, 24, no idea how long, that's that was the real crisis for us all, right? And, uh, you know, fortunately out here at Big Sky, there's it's at a, and you know, private club, this is at a private club. And they, um, because it's a private club, just made protocol so severe, which is weekly testing of all the staff, weekly testing of all the members. Uh, they really kind of built their safe bubble and knock on wood, it's it's actually worked. And, and uh, do you think um, that's like going into that, because I'm part of the Neuer House, which we just talked about before right. the show, at these private clubs, Neuer House, particularly in yours, do you think this is a little bit of the future over the next two, three years? Because I feel like it's a oh, safe place, right? Yeah, I do. I think I think I think you have to show eventually that you're vaccinated. Right. Sure. You have a vax card. You're not going to be able to travel internationally without a vaccination passport. Right. That's sure. that's and, and and I don't think you should be allowed into a restaurant without a vaccination, sure. because if you want to go and dine publicly, get vaccinated. It's your choice. Don't yep. give me the right and the mask. Right. And all that bullshit. It, you can choose not to go out. And that's your that's your prerogative. But you're sure. wearing a mask to protect everyone else around you. So just forget the stuff that is my right to wear a mask or not. Bullshit. Sure. Yeah. It's your right to protect every other human being around you. Yeah. And, and stop. That's it. So I do think that I think you're going to eventually need to get a vaccination to, to get into restaurants and keep it safe. I also think you can also, as restaurateurs, think about what we can do besides the mask and just and hands and all that. It's actually the air. The yep. air, clean air is now the next commodity for the rest of our entire lives on this planet. And 
we just want clean air, period, right? And, and I've been to Beijing a bunch, right? Horrible sure. pollution, which is one of the reasons every Chinese wears masks. But sure. also because if I'm sick, I don't want to get you sick. So it's a twofer. Sure. And so the, the commodity clean air, we've never had it. In LA, we get it sometimes to smog for three days. We're like, oh, this is horrible. But then it clears yeah. out. Sure. But imagine living with that. So right. you're going to start thinking, okay, when I'm inside in my house with my babies and my wife and my kids, I want clean air. And, and there, there are some great systems coming out. And I'm going to plug one right now called Rens Air, R-E-N-S-A-I-R, U-S.com. So the United States. So Rens Air is this awesome filtration system that is, uh, they're expensive. They're $3,500 a pop, but they're yep. plug and play. You take it out of the box, you plug it in. It's patented, used in Scandinavian hospitals, uh, patented motor that sucks in high volume of air to the, to the tune of 2,000 square feet. The air can be cleansed in 20 minutes, right? Wow. So very fast. And the most important part of the patent is it brings in, traps the COVID. The problem people have this misconception about UVC light. Yep. People are saying, we have UVC light in our air ducts. Well, that's great, but that air is passing through. You yep. can't kill COVID by passing through. It's not a laser. It's not like yeah. zapping. Yeah, COVID. absolutely. It yeah. has to hold. So what this Renzair does is it holds the, the COVID because it traps everything, HEPA-13, inside the inner diameter of the cylindrical filter, and then the UVC light hits it until it's killed. And then 99.97% air actually gets filtered out. So right? you're gonna put this, are you going to put this in your restaurant? This is what it looks like. Wow. There it is. I have them in my homes. I have four. They're so simple, right? This is on low. I'm just going to show you medium high. That's it. That's all the system is. Air wow. comes in the top, air comes out of the bottom. It is an awesome system. I have uh, four in my restaurant here. I actually demanded it. I'm like, wow. if you want me to work my restaurant? I want double the capacity to keep me safe. I literally have one on the line it, where I expedite. I put my coffee on it. I literally stand <laughs> next to my Renzair. No, because when you were air. talking about when you were talking about fresh air, I thought you were about to become like an ambassador for you know the mountain, and you're like, just move to Montana, oh, that, you'll oh, get fresh too. air. Okay. I, I was like, yeah, yeah I, I was surfing in uh, Los Angeles about three weeks ago, and I actually surfed in the in the mist and the fog at about six o'clock in the morning, and it's the only place in the world. As an Australian, you know, you know, you've been to Sydney. It's the only place in the world I'll surf in the dark, right? Um, because in Australia, you surf in the dark, you basically shark meat. And when it when the when the mist rose, the fresh air, and it was so beautiful, and it was so clean, and I was like, ah, oh, I completely missed this. But I'm more jealous of where you are. So you've got these, <laughs> you've got these systems in your restaurant, in your kitchen, yep. basically help to save your staff. You know, basically, absolutely. And, and actually, added, I have so I have chef friends now buying these because they have they have small restaurants, and you just need one of these. And if you can put one in, because the problem right now with restaurants is you take your mask off and you eat. Yep, sure. You can't eat with a mask on. So, and waiters have to wear their masks. The waiters aren't safe because if no. one person at that six stop has COVID, for one and a half hours, they're talking and this and it's getting spread in the air. So you got to cleanse that air, right? It's Wait, just, it's. Let's get the link from you and we'll add it to these show notes and we'll get the executive okay. producers to put awesome. it at the end because that'd be great because I'd like to know that as well because we're, uh, and, we've taken, and, and, taken uh, over a small place. And very, place. very proudly, you know me, Robert, there's always a charity component to this. Of course. So when I, uh, Renzair has, and the, for my pushing, it says, look, we got to help in, at least in the U.S. and probably everywhere else, but in the U.S. in particular, the immigrant restaurants, the African-American restaurants, indigenous and Native American restaurants, their women-owned restaurants, they're the ones that got crushed the worst. Absolutely. So Renzair started a program for every 10 Renzairs purchased. So people are buying 30 and 40 and 50 of them, like like a you know Augusta, right, for the masters. They put them in the media center, in the locker sure. rooms, in the dining rooms. We have 60 of them here, right? I and mean, we have them all over the club. And But for every 10 purchase, one is going to be donated to a restaurant in need. So that's again, fantastic. Just trying to just trying to get restaurants up because Ooh. no restaurant could afford a thirty five hundred dollar thing, because that expense was never on the books to begin with. We never no, even thought no. about. It. We need. I mean, it was air. it was bad enough pre COVID how to make money out of a restaurant. You've had a you've oh had a bunch God. of restaurants. I have. We've opened and closed things, but we've never opened and closed things this dramatically, right? I want to go yeah. back to the for the listeners that don't know you because I know you're very well yeah. known. But for the people that don't know you, tell me how you started. Tell me about the first so, time you had a knife in your hand. Yeah, that was a hell of a fight in grade school. No, um, <laughs> so my first vivid culinary story. So 
I'm Chinese, right? Yep. So being Chinese, like being Italian, Mexican, Jewish, food, 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 food. It's your culture, sure. right? Everything's yep. discussed at the dinner table. It's always, what are we eating next? And that's the way I grew up. But at age five, I decided, I was by myself. My parents were gone. I decided to make a Duncan Hines cake. Never made a cake in my life, but at I just five? liked, I was at five. I just in the kitchen and I knew how to do eggs. I'm like, I, that can't be that hard. So all my friends are outside playing stickball, right? Giving me a little shit, to be honest, that I'm inside yeah. making a cake, right? What's wrong yeah. with Ming, right? And I make the cake. It was delicious. Super easy. Yeah. I yep. was so proud of myself that out of a powder, I got a cake. And then all my friends came in and says, oh, hey, hey, can I get a slice? I'm like, yeah, sure. 25 cents. So my first <laughs> restaurant. So they were laughing at me and I walk away. I walk while, you know, I got a buck 25 in my pocket. So I felt like freaking. How did you even know? I mean, I got in trouble as a child by my mother, but before she passed, she used to give me shit about this all the time. I followed a recipe, but I was, you know, Typical man, don't want to read a recipe. I can do this. It's like, you know, mechanics. And I stick a dozen eggs in a cake. And they're the only eggs we've got. There's a dozen eggs in the fridge. And I put a dozen eggs in the cake. And I was really proud of myself. I made this cake. And I think it was not five. It wasn't that ambitious. I think it was like 11 or something. And I left the cake there. And it was heavy. It weighed like, you know, eight pounds <laughs> or something. And I'm there. And my mother comes home. And she goes, oh, my God, you've baked. And I said, yeah, I baked a cake. She goes, it's really great. And I go, you want a slice? She goes, great. And she picks it up. She goes, what's in here, rocks? And I said, no, no, no. 20 minutes later, I hear her yelling my voice out. And I'm outside. And she's like, did you use a dozen eggs? And I got on my bike. I rode away. That was the first time. So so, so what was the but first you took time? But you took him out of the shell, right? Uh, so. Yes, I did. Yeah, no, no, I'm not that bad. So tell me so about. Sorry, go, go. Oh, I was going to say, so the significant story. So that was age five. That's a cake mix, right? But that's that wasn't how I got the restaurant hospitality hook. Right. That happened at age 10. So I'm living in really? Dayton, Ohio. I have one brother. And in Dayton, Ohio, back then, the doors were never locked, right? This is the peaceful time that we used to have. And a couple showed up at our door. And anyone that was older than me, if we knew them, was uncle and auntie. So this Caucasian couple showed up. My parents are gone. And in Chinese culture, when someone shows up, you meet someone on the street, you don't say, how are you? You say, Chirlema, which is, have you eaten? Because right. if not, it gives us an opportunity to eat together. So being Chinese and having heard this, I'm like, are you guys hungry? They're like, oh, we're starved. I'm like, oh, good, sit down. I'll make you fried rice, which is all fine and dandy, except I had never made fried rice in my life before. Or you hear these people. But I, <laughs> right, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but I, knew the, I knew they were uncle and auntie. Yeah. I also was good with the cleaver, right? Chinese cleaver, because I would help my grandfather sharpen them. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world to sharpen a cleaver. So I was decent with a knife at 10. Every Chinese household has leftover fried rice. Of sure. course, we have garlic, ginger, scallions, and eggs. So I did it. I fried the eggs. I made it. Honestly, it's about a five out of 10 in quality. I cheated a little bit, too much oil, so I didn't want to yeah. stick. I put too much soy sauce because I'm 10, yeah. but it didn't matter. They took a bite. I think, one, they're amazed that a 10-year-old could make food, but they smiled. I'm like, holy shit, you can make people happy, happy. through food? Okay, this is, this is, and that never left. It's the reason I'm a chef. It's now, it's now on, it's exponentially more because now it's not only can I make half the people happy through food is I can make change and help people through food. Right. And, and that, that is, that's what resonates with me more than anything at all. I mean, I want to make people happy, including myself through food, but through food, you can raise money, raise awareness. You can do products. And, and, and I think, I think I'll go to my grave knowing that I used my platform, platform as a chef, uh, as effectively as possible, right? I mean, it's like, it's like Anthony Bourdain once said, and I think we all, you know, we all loved him. Uh, you know, your storytelling, right? You're you're telling a yep. story when you cook for somebody. And I remember, 100%. I remember Marco Pierre White, uh, you know, famously said, "Coming into my restaurant and criticizing my food is like me coming to your house for dinner and criticizing your wife's hair." You know, and I thought, which and, he and, probably did actually. Yeah, knowing, <laughs> knowing him, he probably did, and he still probably does. But you don't, you know, like this is something that I've talked to a lot of chefs about. You, you know, people don't realize how profoundly you can affect somebody by con constructively criticizing or negatively criticizing. And, and there's right. two two ways, right? Such well, an emotional let, game. Let's while we're on this, and we don't spend more than two minutes because it's not worth it. But when social media hit our world, 
Sure. And then you get these super Yelpers. I don't even know what the hell they're called. I'm a yeah. Yelp Platinum. You better give me a free meal. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what, what that is. What planet? What planet? Because you're an influencer. That's the word yeah. of the year, right? And you have 1,500 followers. Ooh, big deal. That yeah. you're going to get a free meal out of me. I yeah. mean, granted, 5 million followers and you're Justin Timberlake. You don't. He doesn't ask me for a free meal. He gets it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just people, people threatening chef owners like, if you don't give me a blah, 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 I'm going to write something bad about you. It's just absurd. It's, it's a funny world. I think every now and then we're allowed to blow a gasket, uh, you know, in our minds. I think I was having this laugh with somebody the other day. I was in a friend's restaurant and he had a call from someone and they asked if they could bring their own cake for a birthday and could they bring the BYO their own wine. And I laughed and I said, all we make money out of is the liquor and the food side. And they want to bring both. And I, and he said to them on the phone, it was old Italian. I won't say where because he was actually trying to be charming, but I don't think he was. He said, look, if you're going to bring your own food and bring your own wine, why don't you bring your own restaurant? And he just hung up on them. You know, like it's people don't realize that, you know, this this industry is, look, most industries now with social media have a critic, a critique side. And I think that. It's fascinating to me because I have a, a friend of mine who's a famous comedian in Australia, Mick Malloy, and he said to me once 10 years ago, he said, it's the same thing. I'm in front of 10,000 people. I'm, I'm live on stage. And the only person I'm focused on is that one person not laughing. That's the only person that affects me. And yeah. it's kind of like a restaurant. You have a great service totally. and everything's going great. And then one person writes a bad review and disrupts that entire moment. But I think at, at our age now, we're kind of, it's skin off a, you know, off the back of a camel. You yeah. know, does it really, does it really matter that much anymore if we've got a full restaurant and our clients are telling us face value that they love it or they dislike it? Uh, at least we yeah. know they're being real. So, so tell yeah. me about, tell me about the love of your life restaurant. What was the one restaurant that you still miss that you opened? Because you and I have had a bunch of restaurants. Oh, that, that's easy. That's Blue Ginger. Blue Ginger was my first, first restaurant that I owned. Um, you know, from, from the first piece of paper, right. Yeah. The whole concept raised all the money. Uh, wife was a partner, a lot of friends, family partner. Uh, we had an awesome 19 year run and which for those not in the restaurant world, anything over five is awesome. Um, more importantly, 19 years of profitability, not nine. Some people run 19 years if they lose money the last 10 years. That's not as good. But that we, 19, I, well, restaurant years are kind of like dog years, right? 19 years is like being yeah, a 75 year old dog. If I felt like it, uh, you know, I so very proudly, I, I wanted to close on top. And yeah. I had, so it was funny, it was year 19 was when my lease was up because I got a free couple of free years in the beginning. Anyway, so I could, so it was under consideration. Do I sign up for another 10? Um, and it was such a, it was a, such a, uh, it was the hardest decision in my head, in my heart. Cause I literally made a family. We had 13 marriages out of blue ginger. We have Jesus. seven children, not my children. I do have two children, of my own, yep. but seven blue ginger children, people married within. Right. So it's, it, it's not cliche to say restaurant family is a family. It's a true family, right? We're talking about building something. So, so my waiters and cooks had been with me for that 19 years literally wow. saw their lives grow and my lives grow right i had no children sure, sure. i opened blue ginger now yeah. they're 20 and 18 now right handsome boys too hardest. working out with you all the time i see as well yeah henry henry's actually cooking with me a baba he's a pretty good that's little so cook good. and uh uh he's enjoying it. he's he's smart enough not to want to be a chef though which that's good i've dissuaded i talked him out of that chef. look just tell yeah, him to be really rich yeah tell him to be really rich and buy a restaurant he can lose a bunch of money exactly and then, he, and then he, he'll just be fine but he, can said, I he actually said yesterday he yeah. actually said yesterday he goes i want to make sure i have he goes i don't care if i'm rich i just want to make sure i can be able to always eat good food I think that's a great philosophy of life, right? Because it's not a money I, I, thing. I agree. No. It's, it's, it's what you put into your body. And if you can afford to put good stuff into your body, your life's pretty good. I think it, it's it's kind of like a restaurateur's philosophy. Uh, uh, you know, it's generally great meal, a nice bottle of wine, not a, um, not an expensive bottle of wine, a nice bottle of wine and enough for a cab ride home was a, a real 1980s thing. You know, that was our yeah. measure. If we could do that on our night off as life is pretty good. Let me 100%. ask you something. I want to pivot away for a second because it made me think about something I wrote in my notes. The Me Too movement, you had that many marriages in your restaurant. How is that going to differ? Because most people in the hospitality industry meet their lovers or their friends yeah. in the hospitality industry because we do so many hours. What's going to change now? Because think about it like this. How hard is it for somebody to ask somebody out on a date without claiming right. sexual harassment or harassment or whatever? Because well, in those the, days, I, I think 
I think the clear line in my head yep. is you can't you can't ask someone that works for you a subordinate. Yep. Right. If you're waiter and waiter, waiter and cook, you're all the same level, so sure. to speak. There, I don't. There's no sexual harassment. I mean, I'm not saying if you're a line cook and you do something bad to a girl is that that's sexual harassment. I'm just saying the the it gets very gray when you're the manager and she works for you or sure. you know you're the manager and he works for you because then that's then you're using the power that you're not going to get friday and saturday shifts and stuff so that's sure, when sure, it becomes sure. you're using your power and you see that you see that with governor cuomo right now in this country that sure. people of power abuse it and know that oh they'll be so scared they won't say anything well that's not happening anymore I mean, I said it. Let's talk about backfire. I said it day one of the blue ginger. I says, look, guys, I know it's the industry. We're going to be 16 hours a day together or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it totally backfired. I'm like, I really would prefer you, you don't intermingle. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody Boom. just said, let's just get married. That way you can't <laughs> let's just, let's just, Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, but I told my managers and they actually took it to Tart. I'm like, but if you are going to start dating, then you have to date and then marry the person. Okay, that's and a they commitment. did. Okay. My GM and exec chef, boom, they got together. <laughs> wow. I find out a year later, we're, we're dining yeah. at Charlie Trotter's of all things. And JD's yeah. like, hey, chef, I've been, you know, no, he gets a phone call. And I'm like, is that Paula? He's like, oh, yeah, chef, I want to tell you something. I, I, I oh. found out. Isn't it amazing ago. though, when you're so close to your staff, how we can be some so dumb with that stuff, and then all of a sudden, there. I had the right. same well, in my restaurant, yeah. you know, in icebergs in, in Sydney. I have I have three staff right now, and between them, they have fourteen children. Three staff, <laughs> fourteen children. It's like, what were you guys eating? It was like your staff meals, and I'm like, wow. It's interesting because the whole Me Too movement swept through New York as I arrived about three and a half, four years ago. It needed to right. happen. You know, it was prevalent. You know, I never really saw it in my restaurants. I had, uh, you know, a bunch of restaurants at one point where I had about four hundred and fifty staff. And I think back and I reflect, we all do, right? Do we think about not necessarily our own behavior, but did we overlook something? Did something happen in our restaurants? And I realized in my venues, we had no issues as far as we knew, because I, by pure chance, had a lot of females running my organization. That doesn't mean you can't have sexual harassment, but it was just because they were good at what they did. I wonder right. now in the industry, how that's changed and shaped your industry. How have you seen it change and shape your industry in, 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 in say, the restaurant world. Yeah, you know, I I um I think there's a great effort, and I so agree with you, Robert. It's so needed, right? I mean, any harassment is just wrong. I don't care sure. if it's sexual, racial, any all harassment's wrong. And I think you touched on one thing that does make sense is is you know you want to hire the best people, and and it's and it's unfortunate maybe for some male GMs, but if I, if I have an equally qualified female and male GM equally qualified, you're going to sway towards a female for that same reason that females sexually harass men a lot less often than men harass women. That's just sure. a fact, right? That's yeah. just a fact. So all things created equal, you're going to hire the best qualified person, but sure. if they're equal, you're going to go with the female. Uh, and, but, and, and because there's a lot of us in the industry are on the good side of this, that we understand right. this completely, uh, just like the whole black lives matter movement as well. Sure. Right. I'm on, you know, I can probably say I'm on the good side of this. Right. I, yep. I understand the struggles that women and blacks and Jews and everyone else that had their, when they got to this country, I mean, women were always here. It, it's, it's never been fair. It's never been right. And finally, I think, we hit rock bottom, and I finally think we're coming that us males are realizing not only women are equal to us, they're actually smarter and better than That's us. That's no so shit. So get as many women. <laughs> I mean, dude, I started a new company, and we're going to talk about it, Ming's Bings. Uh, I'm like 80% women. Uh, yeah. They're just smarter. So yeah, well, it, was really, it, was, it was really interesting because, uh, you know, I had a guest on, Marlene Leslie. Uh, she's a great executive. She opened the Virgin Hotel. She was running the Standard in, in New York. Yep. And, she, and at age 23, she was running a $20 million venue in Times Square, 23 years old. And I said to her and I asked her, was that, you know, the Me Too movement in your era, you know, that was pretty loose, you know, um, the standard was, you know, known to be a party place. And she didn't actually defend herself and say, well, I'm a woman, never happened. She actually said, yeah, it kind of probably did happen. 
And she said, it's kind of the norm and we just accepted it the way that happened. And, and for her, she never had too much of an issue because she'd been a leader since 23. Right. So she'd always been in charge of people, but it was it was refreshing to hear somebody not to say, uh, oh, I didn't know it happened. It was ignorant. You know, like, and I, I honestly think that it's for the better. I completely agree with you. But I also really do feel for our teams now because, you know, if you think in the corporate world and I'm partly in the corporate world, there's an element of, do you really want to ask her out on a date anymore? Does she really want to ask you out on a date anymore? And we're both working 80 hours a week. Uh, You know, I don't have that issue, but you know, you're working 80 hours a week. Where are they supposed to meet someone? And you know what chefs are like? You finish at 11, 12 o'clock. That's it. That's most people's 5 p.m. You don't go home and sleep. You go and have a beer and you're going to have a drink in a bar. And then before you know it, you're looking at the same person you've looked at for the last six months because you haven't seen anybody else and it makes it makes sense so it did have to happen though so i i think that's important i want to ask you a couple of probing questions before we talk about your new ventures because you've got a lot of them 2012 am i going to get this date wrong did you beat bobby flay at iron chef no sir i crushed bobby flay on iron (laughs) chef it was actually i was so proud first of all i was battle duck all right so i had the pressure of the entire asian community of the world if a chinese chef Loses Screw battle duck to a Caucasian. <laughs> I would have been ostracized from every Chinese restaurant in the world. And I'd be like, hey, you lost to that white guy in battle duck. And that would have been horrible. I'd be taking my kids to Mexican food every Sunday instead of dinner. You would have been you would have been cooking in Antarctica after that. Just yeah, like so no I had one, that pressure. No wow. Uh, what was that like? But yeah, it was a great, it was a highlight. Oh my God. First of all, full disclosure, Iron Chef, all these, they're really hard, right? This is yeah. not smoke and mirrors. You got yep. And then one hour, for me, one hour to make five dishes times four plates each, 20 plates in an hour, right? Starting yeah. from scratch. You didn't, we didn't have a sauce done. You have nothing. But what we do have, and this, this is just full disclosure, you know, one month out, Food Network gave you three secret ingredients. So you could at least plan. So for me, it was sure, chicken, sure. duck, and squab. Yep. So with my team, hey, guys, so we practiced. We'd had 20 whole chickens in the window on the Sunday we were closed, and we would make these dishes. And then the next day we did it with the next week's swab, and then finally with duck. I also knew that because you have to give it equipment list. And I said I need a air compressor, right, a Black & Decker sure. air compressor. And I also need a Food Network's TV for ratings. They, they don't see a lot of ducks blown up on TV. So yeah. I'm like, guys, it's going to be battle duck. I just guarantee you. So let's really focus on that. And sure enough, it was battle duck. And, Amazing. Um, you know, you know, Peking duck takes 48 hours. So to do Peking duck in an hour. I would have never, I, I don't know if I, <laughs> so I mean, I've cooked in a lot of places and, you know, sure, we've all had a bunch of awards. But I don't know if I'd have the balls to do a show like you did. I, I love the original Iron Chef. It's kind of like watching Doctor Who right oh, now. The, the original, the original Iron Chef is so ridiculously fun it, it, and, and the it's, dramatics and his outfit. And the, and the translations like. For Kuisan, the Iron Chef is using tomatoes yeah. back to you. <laughs> I love Uni. <laughs> the dumb blonde Japanese girl. <laughs> I love Uni. That's so funny. I had I had the host at the Icebergs restaurant when I had it in Bondi. I had the host in there for two days in a row eating at the restaurant. And he was Yeah, so, chairman? Yeah. Yeah, the was, chairman? I did. Nice. And he was and he was nothing obviously like the show because it's a show, right? And he was right. the most gentle, calm collective and he painted me this beautiful uh picture and i never forget it i've got it framed i still love that show secondly you've got an emmy award correct so i'm looking this up what did you get an emmy award for i know but yeah it's so so ironic so i i i um started on food network way way early it was emerald bobby myself mario sarah and i i I became the Asian expert. I knew the power of TV. So the, I did one quick hit on a show and they're like, hey, that wasn't so bad. Can you, it was actually, it was Ready, Set, Cook. Remember the yep. cooking competition yep. you had? Yep. It was me against Suser Lee, who you may know. He's one of the yep. best chefs in Canada. Fantastic friend of mine. And I knew this is not an opportunity to just show my cooking skill and win. We didn't win. We tied two wins each and we tied and split it. But it was my opportunity to show Food Network that I, I can actually, I do more than just slice and dice. I had fun. So I was throwing tomatoes to the audience and I was really trying sure, to sure. that. Because of that, can you come back? Can you come back? So I kept coming back. Eventually, they gave me East Meets West. The very first show I did was a turkey, a Chipotle shumai show. And I made smoked turkey, turkey chipotle. I remember it was my first show ever. That's the show they submitted to the Emmys. My the first, first show. show Episode one, season one, first show, they submit that one. Maybe because it was the freshest. I, I don't know why. 
And my agent called me and says, hey, you've been nominated for an Emmy. I thought he was joking. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? No, 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 no. Show. You're no nominated way. for an Emmy. I'm like, with who? He goes, Julia Child, Martha Stewart, Jesus. Bob Vila, uh, and, and Brian Nye, the science guy. So I'm like, oh, well, it's great to be nominated, right? I mean, well, there's no chance. Yeah. And then they just throwing they me in the maybe, mix. They throwing me they in maybe, the mix. They needed, I think they needed an Asian to win, or I don't know what it was, but sure enough, I'm at the Emmys and they announced me. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so, do you understand? Uh, and that how was in- uh, very proudly. That was the first Emmy for Food Network too. Do you understand how important Emmy. it is to be nominated by out of everybody, but Julia Child? Like, oh you- my God, yeah, can we talk about Man. her a little bit? So go for it. I, I, you know me. I do not get nervous. Yeah. But when Julia Child came in at Blue Ginger, oh man, I got nervous. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I, of course, as as the best as I possibly cook, I'm I, I like first you'd love this first course. Just tuna two ways. It was hot tuna pokey underneath a martini glass upside down, and on top was a tuna caviar parfait raw. Yeah. So you couldn't see what's underneath because it all condensed up and fogged up. I'm like, Julia, please eat the raw sashimi great tuna, blah, blah, blah. And then lift the martini glass and you have a hot pokey. So it's a killer dish. Amazing. So I do that. I do another dish. I do the foie gras shumai dish, right? Steamed wow. foie gras dumplings and a caramelized sauter and shallow broth. I, I'm like, okay, this is it. So the waiter's like, uh, Miss, Julia, Miss Child would like to see you. I'm like, oh my God. Is it, was it the best foie gras you have had? Was it the most creative presentation? I'm just in my head. Like, what is she yeah. going to say, you know? Actually, her, di- her dish was finished because I always look yeah. at the plates, right? Of course, so I of knew it wasn't like it wasn't like your dish so it was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yes, Julia. And the first thing she said, I have an open kitchen. She goes, Ming, you don't have any women line cooks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's the first thing she says to me. And I'm like, Julia, you're right. And and it's not because I don't love women. I actually married one. I love yep. women, but there's just not enough women line cooks chefs in this country yet this is you know 23 years ago yeah but of all the things i'm just thinking all these great you don't have any woman like cooks but she did have a great meal and i remember growing up with her with her recipes i never watched the movie because i felt like it was going to be ruined was it good have you watched it i have watched. yeah it was very entertaining it really was and 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 they they played Julia pretty well, honestly, right? I, I've gotten to cook for the Julia and Jacques a couple of times and both the most lovely people in the world, right? I mean, Jacques literally is the best technician still and the yeah. most amazing palate and the yeah. most amazing artist. I mean, the guy can do everything practically. I can and probably, for the, can for probably the record, build a For the spaceship. audience, when you say Jacques, who are you talking about? Yeah. Just so so I'm talking about you. Jacques Pepin. Yeah. So Jacques Pepin is famously the only chef in the world to turn down a president of the United States to go work for Howard Johnson's instead. Right. Yeah. He turned down JFK because yeah. he wanted to work as a corporate chef with Howard Johnson, which is an up and coming. It was a great yeah. move for him, actually. Yeah. It really and he's a beautiful. I, I know he recently lost his wife, which is sad. And he's a beautiful, he beautiful her. show oh, chef. And, and I love I absolutely love seeing his recipes on Sunday because he cooks yeah. like I've lost my fam, fam, my parents. And when I watch his Sunday recipes, it's always beautiful. And he doesn't he doesn't trick it anything up and he keeps it super simple. Oh no, and it's, it's so, so beautiful. Simple. Yeah. Well, I it's think food, we get I, I mean, he he is literally I remember I went to his he has a beautiful house in Connecticut and Patonk, right? Blue, yep. which is you know the ball, yep. the the European game where we play it. You know, you throw the ball. I'm Italian Australian, so we call it bocce. Oh, yeah, so yeah, exactly. Bocce. Bocce. We we so invented anyway. it, of course. Did no the Chinese invented it? You changed the name, know. but whatever. We, we invented spaghetti too. So we'll he would have that. tournaments, right? He would have tournaments. So it was just the tournament was a conduit to have great food and wine, right? Sure, sure. So I came up one Sunday. It was the finals of their tournament. So all the neighbors, right? These guys have been doing this for twenty years. The wine's flowing like anything, and so I. So he has his house, and then he has his house that he shoots at, right? So kind of like Martha has as well, and so I'm like, you know. Jacques, I, I, I brought some stuff to cook as well, right? I'm not going to show up to Jacques Pepin and not cook. So I'm making like shrimp toast or shumai or something. And there's like 60 people. And, and Jacques is in the kitchen and he has his son-in-law and he has people all around him. But he, he literally cooked for two and a half hours straight. He was, he's, he's like, you know, people come, Jacques, can you help? No, no, so on, so on. And he would cook and plate everything. He wouldn't allow people to help him because he's that much of a purist and it's like nope this is my food it has to be perfect this is a sunday 
bocce tournament. He's yep, that yep. he's that yep. focused. I was like, oh my god, that is just unbelievable. And not that I get sloppy on a Sunday, but I no, do no. I need to plate every single dish? No, I don't. But if I think I think for somebody like him, I, I mean, I get it. You know, sometimes when you're in your zone, you it's easier to do it yourself than to explain it because that's where the fun is. It because is so much we, easier. Because yep. what's hard about our industry is actually not the cooking bit. The the hard bit is teaching other people to cook it that way. You have to have yeah. incredible patience, resilience, and do they ever make it? You know, occasionally, and it does happen for both of us. We have people that are just better than us, right? They just, and that's what we want 100%. to surround ourselves. You know, you have a recipe, and yeah. you know, I often do this. I'll do this when I was working in Australia with the QT hotels. You know, I would fly in and I would have tastings with the chefs, and I would send them recipes, and 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 they would put their dishes up as well for the seasonal changes, and I would send them a recipe, and occasionally the chef would put it up, and it was a hundred times better than what I made. And, and you use uh, it though, right? Yeah, and, and of like, course. Yeah, and I'd look at them and I'd go, that's pretty good. You know, and all of a sudden they'd taken a dish that I'd been doing for 10 years and they bettered it because they were thinking outside the box. And it's a huge risk, right? Because sometimes yeah. when they're younger, they take a few lefts and rights and you go, hang on, hang on. Because I'm a like you, I, I like I do tweak my Italian heritage, but I still stay true to the roots when 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 yeah. something has to be pure. I think you and I, when did we cook together? We cooked together for your show in Sydney. Was that like 2013, 2014? Yeah, it was at least, I was going to say almost, almost 10 years ago, probably eight years ago, a really long time ago. I remember, I remember you cooked a pilaf and was it quail? Did you cook quail? I did did crispy quail. I did crispy quail quail pilaf. Yeah. Crispy quail pilaf uh, in the beautiful Gowings restaurant that we just opened. We just won new best new restaurant. That was great fun. Oh yeah. They're great. Yeah. That great kind of grill. Yep. gigantic thing I and that, off of. that ridiculous tuna that i had i had this dream oh, you had the huge tuna oh the oh. tuna was awesome oh, yeah, i yeah, had that actually, dream for the record the best part about that shoot all was the meal that robin cooked for us afterwards ah, that, you're very that's, one of the you're best, very that's one of the best parts of shooting shows with chefs because <laughs> they always going to feed you afterwards which of course is it was super fun favorite part thank you for let me tell that. you a quick story about okay. let me tell you a quick story about creating a dish and someone making it better so you know these chefs so thomas keller sure when he first opened French Laundry, one of his best chefs, sous chefs, was Grant Grant Atkins, right? Mm-hmm. And Grant's a buddy. They're both buddies of mine. And and Grant really is, he's one of the best chefs in this country. He's at the level of Thomas now, right? Yeah. Thomas being the, the matriarch or the patriarch. Grant came up with a dish, kind of, it, it was a version of his current truffle explosion. It was a dish that was going to explode and melt and whatnot. And he was so proud. And he's just like, you know, chef, try this, try this. And chef tried it, goes, this is phenomenal. He goes, let's put it on the menu. And he looked at him and says, Grant, I would love to put this on the menu. But just know that once this is on the menu, it's my dish. Because this is going to be served at French Laundry by Chef Thomas Keller. Yeah. And are you okay with that? Because at this point in my, and, and, I, and I respect Thomas for this. It was, he was just being very transparent and honest. Because at yeah. that time, you're not going to say, lead line cook's dish and put it on the menu, right? Of course. And Grant very famously said, and, and you have to have this confidence. He's like, chef, absolutely. Put it on the menu. There's going to be many more like that in my career. Wow. And, <laughs> and, and, and he was right. And you there know, was. But you, you need know, that confidence. You have to believe that I can make the best bite in the world every time you cook. You have to I, believe that. I, I agree with you. And I think like every year we were doing a dinner in Australia. It was Tom Colocho would come. Uh, it was Thomas Keller. Colicchio. Colicchio. That's my Australian accent. Uh, Heston Blementhal. <laughs> your Italian-Australian accent. Italian-Australian accent. Heston Blementhal. Tom, Thomas Keller. Uh, and I remember Thomas, wow. particularly I remember uh, all he wanted to do when he arrived in Australia was go play golf. Uh, and I and there was this very famous golf course that was members only, and I knew in somebody Sydney in, or Melbourne in, in, in Melbourne? Sydney in Sydney in uh, the North Shore, and we got him in for a golf game, and then I prepared him lunch, and I remember he he was such a beautiful, gentle human being, and he would arrive, he would fly in, long flight, everybody knows to Australia is twenty five hours, he would arrive in, he would sit in my bar, have a crab sandwich, we had this beautiful beautiful crispy crab sandwich, and a glass of champagne, he goes, okay, now I'm here. And it was because we were right on the beach. And I remember it with him. He was an incredible soul. Eh? One of the best meals of my life was at the French Laundry. Back to you, yep. Chef of the Year in Esquire. That that was an accolade that um, I was wow. not expecting. So John Mariani was the Esquire you know, foodie at large. And he would eat dine at like 100 new restaurants every year. And he came, again, Blue Ginger was in Wellesley, Mass. 
So that's a small suburb out of Boston, very affluent. It's like the Greenwich, Connecticut kind of of New York. And I, pur I purposely built out there because I, I wanted, uh, honestly, I wanted the a lifestyle of a suburban restaurant versus a city restaurant, meaning not cooking till 1 a.m., cooking till 9.30, because I knew I wanted to have kids and a family. So for me, smart. you can't do it. You can't have a normal, well, not normal. You can't have a very tight family life and great marriage and children in the chef world, but you have to make it the priority. If yep. I if I let the food and restaurant take me over, then you're going to have a mess, right? Of course. Uh, you have to have a partner that understands the hours and the demands too. Sure. If that partner doesn't know that succinctly, it also is not going to work because you're sure, not sure, home for sure. dinner a lot. So no. so anyway. Um, I forgot what I was talking about. No, 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 no. We were talking uh, about your award. Oh, oh I was talking. So John Marinette comes in. He comes in, and and it was actually a slow night, and we just fed him the normal. I mean, I knew who he was. We feed him his best food as he possibly can. And then literally, like, two weeks later, because it was towards the end of him doing his tour, he's like, we're sending a photographer to to shoot you for Esquire. I'm like, what's it for? He says, we can't tell you. But doesn't matter if they're shooting you it's a good sign time to and go then, to the gym <laughs> yeah exactly well i stood up straight i oh, know you'll fit anyway so you don't have to and, that, and then yeah and somehow somehow of all the chefs that i won chef of the year and incredible and i'm just i'm so humbled and honored because there's bluntly robert there's so many chefs that can actually cook me into the table in this country there's so many and but you said it earlier it's the right moment right time and the right story Right. Sure. You have to tell your story. And if it just if you just catch at the right moment and, you know, that that 1998 was a, just a, just a banner year for me. Right. I, I start on Food Network. I have my first book deal. I open my restaurant. I get shot. It was just like mind boggling how a lot of happened. And, and, and been inducted in the Hall of Fame. That That's another one. We, we got a yeah. big list of them. So I won't I won't I won't. Uh, but what, well, let me ask you something. Tell me about what you're doing now. You've got an incredible, incredible new. Yeah, company. I, thank you. Let's so I have it. a great, I have a great new company. We literally opened a month before COVID started, um, and something I've really always wanted to do is something called Ming's Bings. So you can right. go to Ming'sBings.com, and there's a great backstory, which is, um, and this story ends up happy. So know that. But three and a half years ago, my wife was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer out of the blue. She had wow. a seizure. We don't why? What's going on? She didn't smoke, of course, right? Wow. Give lung cancer to people that smoke, right? And fortunately, she she had what was called an EGFR mutation. I am a, now a lung cancer expert. EGFR mutation was a good one to get if there's a good cancer to get because it qualified her for a, a, a oral therapy called Tegreso, developed at Dana Farber, the hospital in Boston that is known for cancer research. So that pill, once a day wiped her cancer out she's cancer free wow stories awesome. oh my god congratulations but three and a half years ago as well i was still traveling a lot yeah. one thing we decided for her collectively and she was already a flexitarian more plant-based she went vegan all the research we discovered that if you can eliminate sugar as well there's you know eliminate yeah. sugar and eliminate proteins that cause inflammation and try to reduce wheat even a little bit gluten because that's inflammation you know inflammation causes all disease sure right? sure sure and sugar feeds cancer. So that's why you got to eliminate those. So we went vegan. We juiced every morning, watercress, ginger juices. We would cook, of course, I'm a chef, so we would tofu and tempeh and yep. all this. But but I wanted to also be able to go to the stores and buy her some veggie patties because right. I travel. So I need my wife to eat well when I'm home and not home. Dude, there's nothing and it's in worse the veggie than, packing it's worse, And it's worse than eating protein. Oh, my God. They're, they're, they're dry hockey pucks all the brands gardein boca all the, the dr prager's they're all these, these hockey pucks and every photo this is all telling every photo of every box of these patties is lettuce and tomato and avocado and a bun and aioli because that's yeah. the only way you can choke these down so yeah. it became my mission it says you know i'm going to make a better veggie patty i'm going to yeah. flip the paradigm put the emulsification on the outside so don't puree stuff do whole veg so I developed a gluten-free brown rice wrapper, primarily brown rice, lots of other stuff, but primarily brown rice wrapper, gluten-free. Right. I waxed her watercress, one of the tastiest and healthiest green vegetables in the world. Edamame's GMO-free with pepitas for smart fat and protein. Shiitake mushroom to build your immune system, especially during COVID. And then garlic, ginger, onions, all for antioxidants. That is wrapped in the gluten-free, self-oiled. So when you get home and buy them, it's a frozen tuna pack, 
you put it in your air fryer for 14 minutes, in your oven for 22, flip it once, or a pan for, for 16, you flip it once. Super easy to cook, and it is delicious, which is the most important thing, but truly good for you because it's whole veg. And if you go to the website, you can see when you cut them open, you see the pepitas and the edamames and the watercress. And so that's been very exciting. So our, our, our mantra is, you know, it's taste good, feel good, because we all know that the more plant-based foods you eat, the better you're going to feel, right? You should not eat absolutely. a ribeye every day. Uh, no, it's just, absolutely. It's, it's, it's what I'm, we I'm do actually, in Asia. Yeah, I'm actually thinking I, I, uh, I need to talk to you after the show. I need to get these into the Neuhaus group because we're actually doing that. We're looking for that. And it's kind of interesting, all right. this fake meat, beyond meat. And I'm not going to bag any of the, the meats out there, right. but they're full of things you don't know what they are. So we've right. gone from not eating protein to not knowing what we're eating at all. Yeah, the, the, the growing of heme in a lab, I'm not sure that's going to be good for us 10 years from now. There is There are brands now, like Uncut is the brand I use because I've already iterated. So we have the original Bing, which is my favorite. But we've done a buffalo cauliflower bing. Also, okay, the, wow. whole line is ve- the whole line is Mings, vegan. Mings, bings. Mings, bings. Bings, And the buffalo right, cauliflower, right. all vegan. So we have a coconut-based cheese for the buffalo yep. cauliflower, cream cheese. Yep. We have a sausage and peppers, a delicious sausage made by uncut. So there's impossible, beyond, and then uncut, the third largest. Their ingredient list is this big versus their ingredients, everyone else. So to yep, your yep. point, you can pronounce and identify every ingredient in it. It's GMO-free soybeans and blah, 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 spices. So it's pretty, it's as natural for a fake meat as you can get. And I agree with yep. you. I don't want to use stuff that has chemicals that you can't pronounce and try my uh, disomites. Try, all no, that. no. I want to keep it as natural as possible. Um, so this vegan sausage of pepper is off the hook. We have a cheeseburger coming online in a month. Wow. And then eventually, one, and I'm going to work with Uncut and develop a really good fake chicken and a good fake pork. It's all about texture because us chefs sure, can sure. flavor it. And then every Chinese stir fry that you and I love, sweet and sour pork, General Joe's chicken, Goombao chicken, they can all go in the bank and you can drive a car and eat it. I want it to be the next Hot Pocket, the next healthy, vegan, delicious Hot Pocket. That's you my did, and that's my, my, that's, and, my and that's, that's fantastic. And the timing right before COVID because everybody, the timing was cooking. absurd. It, it was, you know, it, it was, it was, it was the most, it, for me, it was the stars aligned. I've yeah. always wanted to do this project, but as you know, as a chef, Oh, the Aspen food and wine fest, South Beach food and wine fest. You got to do this shoot. You got, you can never focus. You can't start a company part-time. It just doesn't work. Isn't then it you get a part-time company. It's interesting right? because every hospitality person has said the same thing. COVID, for the first time in their life, and we're talking careers of 30, 40 years, first time in their life where we've been able to stop, A, get a night off, B, wake up the next day without an alarm for a period of time. Not everybody, because but a lot of people out in restaurant world, you know, working five, six days a week, 80, 90 hours. Yep. And I've known a lot more chefs now that have pivoted like you and said, what do I really want to do? I created this show during COVID. You know, the executive yeah. producer approached me oh, and said, absolutely. we should do this, right? And I was like, how am I going to create a show to basically embrace people like yeah. you and 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 give a message to the world of hospitality that we're there for them? Yeah, so let me let me, let me me finish the one part of Ming's Bings and I'll tell you about my show. So the third thing, so tastes good, feels good, but then also do good because some proceeds of the sale of Ming's Bings are going to benefit Dana Farber, the cancer yep. hospital saved my wife's life and saved my CEO's life, and an awesome charity called Family Reach. So all check out familyreach.org. Family, Reach. Family okay. Reach, we're the only national charity. I'm probably the I'm their president of their national advisory board. I've been with them 10 years. We're the only national charity that financially helps families with cancer, financially helps families with cancer. We're not talking about outside of healthcare. Thank God sure, we have sure. Obamacare, right? We don't have national healthcare, like you all in Australia and everywhere else. But we do have some healthcare. It's all the other expenses that happen when you get cancer. The kid gets cancer. The mom stops working. People just go bankrupt, and that's just wrong. Cancer is the worst diagnosis you can get. It's crazy here. Like, I mean, I pay a fortune a month in healthcare, and that I generally don't use, and it doesn't cover the things you want anyway. Uh, You know, it's 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 kind of funny. In in even in New York, you know, going to the dentist, it's cheaper to fly to Italy get free healthcare, pay for it in cash and come back on the plane. And it's still cheaper than going around. The <laughs> That's true. Cool. It, it's pretty uh, wild. Let me tell you, I, I, yeah, real quick. So the, the, the thing that I pivoted, like you did your show. So I'm now currently shooting simply Ming season yep. 18, right? right? But I'm doing it two ways. 
every Tuesday for 13 weeks, I've shot a live Facebook cook-along. And I set up a, DS, DS, a DSLR camera. That's a one camera for the Facebook live shot. Half the shows are with my son. We also have another DSL set up and a couple GoPros. Those cards, so the show airs, I just did one yesterday. That was live. Yep. And people can cook wow. along, right? And we yeah, had yeah. hundreds cooking along, which is awesome. You can buy buy two pieces of salmon, buy some miso, buy some, uh, boom, cook along. And it's a true half hour. And you make the dish, and then you sit down, and you get to eat it. That, we then take the four cards of the other cameras, and that goes to GBH where we will re-edit it. And then that's going to air on PBS in April. So I'm hitting oh, the wow. demographics of Facebook cook along and then i'm gonna hit the demos of a television show which because tv is still important it was like tv is done tv is not done tv is still done. here for a very long done. time social media is here for a long time now too but you got to be able to go tandem so what about if both. you do a what about if you do a cook along and you get bobby fly to get on and you do that duck dish for him <laughs> we Touché. should do that like we that. should do that he'll hate yeah. me for that duck one class but, uh, bobby uh, play yeah 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 no, no, no. i'm not sure bobby would come on no I'm, I'm not sure either we should get you to la we should get you involved with us we're doing a whole bunch of things um you're you're a fantastic Love give me it. two seconds i want to know about this restaurant you're sitting yep. in right now tell the audience what you're doing all right, so my restaurant's <clears throat> um, Baba. Baba is is my East West restaurant at a place called Yellowstone Club. Uh, my signature dish is a tea smoked Peking duck, which I just love. I've combined yeah. two thousand year old techniques. I've made both of them, and we have this great. You'd love it, Robert. This rotisserie that's vertical rotisserie that circles. It's the most beautiful duck and delicious. And and I'm blessed because I'm in the mountains. And for me and my wife and my kids, the mountains are just so grounding right? Yeah. You, you're, you're grounded in the mountains. And I don't care about, you know, yes, Florida and New York are going no, to be no. gone in a hundred years or whatever with sure, water, sure. but mountains have always felt good to me. And, and uh, uh, so, yeah, so I, I know I'm very blessed to be out here and, but I still, I still live in Boston. I still go back and forth. Sure, sure, sure. We got to make a lot of Ming's bings, right? So, right, right. Anyway. Well, you know what? Thank you so much. And just for the record, Thank you, buddy. thanks for just being yep. an awesome human being, always giving back, always thinking about charity. I'm watching you Thank planking, you. which is starting to scare me. I'm wondering if there's something <laughs> you're going on that I don't understand. And I'm, only because I'm jealous, I look at you and I'm like, how does he eat all that and stay so slim? And I'm like, I'm running. You know, you got to plank. You got to plank. You know, and it's great seeing your boys involved as well with cooking and they kind of yeah. put up with you. They kind of look like they want to be on the camera and kind of like dad's making them. I'm not really uh, sure. They, which they just want to make fun of me. It's yeah. classic teenagers. Make yeah. fun of dad. Amazing so to have you on hey, the Robert, show. Hey, Thank you, man. Really great to see you. And uh, hopefully see you. we'll see you with a, a good pint of beer next time, shall we? That's how it sounds more. great. That's our business. All right. God bless, dude. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Peace and good day, man. We'll see you soon. Ciao. Bye-bye. Ciao. All right, folks. That's it for today's show. If you love what we do, we'd appreciate if you follow, share, and like us. We love our listeners. We love you. The Raw Hospitality Show, Season 2.